stabbing to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed On Movies. I'm Teddy. And I'm Matt. And I'm Dan. And I'm Brian. Yes, that's right, folks. We've got two more co-hosts with us this week. Uh, this is a very special episode of Buzzed On Movies this week. I am. We're collaborating with our friend podcast, The Goods, the film podcast, uh, here with our friends Dan and Brian from that podcast. And uh, they they also do movies. Uh, they've got a pretty cool format worked out, and uh, they're here to tell you about it, and then we're going to discuss some stuff together. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, we're real excited to be here. Brian is an avowed fan of your podcast, by the way. Buzzed on Movies frequently comes up when we're planning our own episodes. <laughs> we're glad yeah, to have been, fans. I've been following you guys for a while. I especially like the Saw episodes. I've probably listened to your Saw series like... At least six times all the way through, and wow, uh, <laughs> it, you might say it's my rock of ages. I would say that, yeah. <laughs> so our shtick is, uh, we've been going for about a month and a half now. We release an episode every week, and each episode we pick one movie. Uh, with you know, we have a couple of variations in there, but generally one movie. We kind of talk through its plot, and then what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it. And then we ask, is it good? And kind of give an overall evaluation of it. And we've been revisiting old movies. We started with the 1977 horror movie, Suspiria. Uh, We've been through some more recent picks, a little mix of genre in there. So we're we're just trying to kind of expand our horizons and find some more movies to celebrate and evaluate. And each week we alternate who picks the movie. So... We fire back and forth. This week we got a special one coming. It's Over the Garden Wall, which is Ooh. actually not a movie. It's a miniseries, an animated miniseries, 10 10-minute 10 episodes. So we figured it was still basically feature length. But we had, a, we had a fun time digging through that. It's kind of like Adventure Time. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like Over the Garden Wall. It's very yeah, cool it's very and good. very yeah. seasonal, too. Yes. Yeah, we try to keep it uh, seasonal. We had a... Uh, New school year episode. We talked about everybody wants some, and we got a horror movie coming up because you guys are going to be joining us for an episode. Oh yeah, looking forward to it. We had an election season episode too, in the uh, form of a analysis of the American president, written by Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, Ooh. can't believe you didn't do the purge election year. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that would be very much our kind of election special. <laughs> I think more um, appropriate for 2020, too. Yeah. <laughs> very true, very true. Yeah, so uh, if you if you like film podcasts, we highly encourage you to go check that one out, especially given that we're going to be showing up on that podcast soon, uh, doing a special guest appearance. Uh, and we have a very special episode for you this week. <laughs> Fitting with... Every time you say a very special episode, I think of like a very special episode of Daria or Degrassi. I'm like, oh, we're going to talk about like a sensitive topic. We're all going to learn something this week. Uh, something I'm very so valuable. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm I can so tell. scared. I can tell the excitement in your voice. Um, well, we knew, you know, Halloween's coming up. We've been talking about horror movies for a while now because spooky season starts early for us. 
Uh, but we wanted to pick a special one for our crossover here uh, and picked a movie that I've been meaning to check out for a while, <laughs> ever since it started showing up in my Amazon recommendations. Uh, the film Robert from 2015. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> is this really qualify as a very special movie a very special yeah, episode a very, it's a <laughs> it is stretching the bounds of the term i would say yes, yes. um but yes so this is a film that i've i've seen on amazon for a while and what caught my eye first about it was first of all the creepy little doll in the mm-hmm. poster art but also the fact that it has four sequels to it uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Which always makes you wonder, like, okay, and, what's and going on here? From 2015, you know, so they've yeah. kept pretty much a saw pace. Yeah, yeah. popping them out, just like One a year. going for it. If it's Halloween, it must be Robert. That's oh, what they God. say. <laughs> um, the old adage, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, the, the, this series is based on a, a real-life haunted doll called Robert, uh, he lives in a museum in Key West, Florida, <laughs> not in Wales, which is what you'd think from these movies. Uh, yeah, that's the <laughs> most confusing part of this is why it's like not set in like Florida. But, you know, um. yeah, the basic story behind the doll is just that like some artist had him for his entire life and then it ended up in a museum. And like if you take pictures of it, bad things happen to you. Yes, <laughs> it's really not any more like complicated or scary than that. It's just he also things. doesn't look anything like the doll in the movies. Not like, at all. Like I can't think of anything less. I mean, okay, so like do- famous horror dolls often don't look like their movie counterparts. Like right. Annabelle is just Annabelle's Raggedy Ann. Yeah, she's just the Raggedy Ann doll. So like you know, I I'm used to that. But the the actual Robert doll looks like it was like made by somebody who's not actually seen a like a human child before and was like, yeah, this I mean, is what a child might look like. The original Robert doll is pretty creepy to look at it. It, although I would say that the one in this film, like the glowing strength of this film is they did make a creepy looking doll. It just they did looks nothing like the actual Robert. <laughs> yeah. Use the eyes. They're like slightly off eyes. One of them is a darker gray or something yeah, like that. W- and one of them has like that, like, one of them looks like it's meant to be like, you know, like what they do with every blind person in every horror movie, like ever, like one of their eyes is like meant to be blind. And I'm like, why? Like, why is that? <laughs> it's a, it's a terrible, terrible like, bloodshot cataract. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it spookier. So I have a question for you guys. If you had to describe this doll as like a cross of people or characters, how would you describe this doll? I think it looks like Tom Cotton, the senator from <laughs> Arkansas. I very strongly believe that it looks like oh Tom Cotton. Oh my God. That's a good one. Uh, I, yeah. I, I thought about it a lot. I came up with Willem Dafoe crossed with Tyrion Lannister crossed with Ron Weasley with just a sprinkle of Steve Buscemi. That's oh, that's fair. brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I could definitely see the Willem Dafoe for sure. Yeah. Willem Dafoe is there. I was just thinking he looked like sort of a shriveled, a more shriveled, slightly more sinister, less cheery Annabelle. But uh, like, there's there's really no no describing this doll properly. Um, he does have a very long know. neck. I want to point out that his neck seems extraordinarily long. Like, I don't under, <laughs> and it's not the same in every shot because also. 
it, like every shot of Robert is like, you can tell that it's a puppet and they're like, but we can't find a way to actually hide the strings and people holding this puppet. So we're just going to shoot it from like low angles, like, and like do these, these weird camera tricks. Yeah. But, like, real zoomed the, in. yeah it's, so, well, so this is a second plug, but I have a public access show and oh, I yeah. feel like I could do these effects. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, yeah, I, I'm not joking. One of my notes is, Worse than gauntly effects. <laughs> That's right. Oh it's yeah. Like, can't you show more than the doll's feet? I mean, it's the central conceit of this film that you have a walking doll, and it's just showing extreme close-ups of single body parts at a time. Well, yep. It's ve- it's very clear at multiple points in the film that they don't even have like a control system for the Robert doll. It's like literally somebody holding the doll up just out of frame and they're like moving it around so it looks absolutely absurd and like any scene where the doll is actually moving which is probably why they don't show the doll itself that often yeah so it struck me as pretty funny sorry if i'm jumping ahead in the plot but when the the old woman who gets fired and needs to get her revenge when she gives the doll to the son she says this he, he says, oh, I don't want to play with dolls. And she says, this doll is different. And he says, how? But, I mean, looking at that doll, does that look anything <laughs> like any doll you've ever seen in your life? How would you look at that and not immediately be like, yeah, that thing is clearly evil? No, this is just a normal doll that any child would have. Yeah. I actually really like that scene for multiple reasons. One, it was like the maid like goes full drag me to hell like very quickly. She's <laughs> like, I've been fired and now I will curse you all to death. And it's like, okay, this is like dramatic. But second of all, the boy like gets given the doll and he's like, I'm not a girl. I don't play with dolls. And I'm like, oh my God. what the fuck are we doing right now? Like, <laughs> it showed up in there so many times. It's yeah, like, but oh, like, he's a boy. <laughs> I wanted to be like, look at that doll. Do you think any little girl plays with that doll either? Like, look at that thing. Like, <laughs> Well, the, the movie is absolutely obsessed with gender roles. There also yes. is a point where he says like, are you playing with my lipstick? He says, of course not. I'm not a girl. I was thinking it's like <laughs> It's like those scenes in Troll 2 where that one guy is keep keeps being concerned that he's going to become gay from like weird things happening to him. Oh yes. Oh god, I haven't thought about that. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> the the one, scene yeah. with the handoff, the scene with the handoff of the doll, just every line felt so forced. It's like this is not what a natural human would say. I, I also <laughs> want to point out the maid was fired with reasonable cause and fairly generously. Like it wasn't a cruel thing at all. It's like, it's like your time has come. We've paid you what you have been owed. And it is within our contractual rights to no longer employ you, especially if you're making mistakes. I don't know why that necessitated like eternally cursing this family and household. <laughs> this maid is, is very vindictive. Uh, I guess she just, she needed to go out with a bang. Of course she ends up, well, I'm getting my. I'm definitely gonna head myself here. Anyway, um, let's let's start off by talking about the opening crawl of this movie, which is perhaps the longest opening crawl I've ever seen. That takes up one screen. <laughs> this thing just like throws information at you at the beginning, um, in what is sort of an attempt to integrate this. Robert in the movie with like the real life doll, but it doesn't make any sense. 
the 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 opening uh, crawl, which reveals itself in several different segments, says the film which you are about to see is based on the tragic real life events which befell a family after a strange doll called Robert entered their lives. Wherever Robert goes, death and destruction follows. Some call it coincidence. Others claim the supernatural events attributed to Robert are a fabrication of troubled minds. Mo many people believe Robert to be the most haunted doll in the world. Whatever the truth may be, Robert the Doll has gained a legendary and fearsome reputation. Robert is now located in the East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida. Staff and visitors to the museum have reported numerous unusual events since Robert's arrival. Mm. It, that last <laughs> sentence is not particularly menacing. <laughs> <laughs> the dead speak. <laughs> Somehow Robert has returned. No. What an unusual event. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, that should have been the opening to Robert and the Toy Maker, which is the third installment. Um, Toymaker. So, <laughs> I actually did have an opening crawl note, which is that the G's were bad. It was hard to read the letter G's in the opening crawl. <laughs> we're in a bad place where, like, even the font is wrong in this movie. This is actually not the first time we've criticized font on the podcast. <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> <laughs> People gotta get your fonts right. So then, well, then we are treated to a, a cold open, which Brian, you were saying, like this is one of the worst cold opens you've ever seen to a horror movie, right? That's right, because it shows you nothing that's actually happened. Uh, the point of a cold open is to kind of thrust you into the action, and you know, just not have any of the fat associated with exposition. Just trim that all away and and jump you into something scary happening right at the beginning. It's like, you know, in Saw, you need an unassociated trap separate from the main plot. Or mm -hmm. yeah. to take a Haunted Doll movie, I mean, at the start of Child's Play, you have Charles Lee Ray, like, getting shot outside a toy store and dumping his soul into a doll. Or Annabelle in The Conjuring, her whole story is a cold open tacked onto that movie. And yeah. you get nothing here. <laughs> We do learn that he helps rearrange furniture for whoever's <laughs> and, and right on walls. It's a it's a family who is anxious and full of anguish that something has been haunting their house. And yes. the scary maid says, It was the doll. <laughs> it was the doll. It's not the house that's haunted, it's the doll. And then it cuts over to the doll and the doll's head is turning and it's like Creepy. How could you not think it's the doll prior to that? How would <laughs> yeah. you have all these weird things happening and there's a living head turning doll in your living room and it never once occurs to you, oh, I wonder if that is like <laughs> associated <laughs> with the general malaise. If I looked household. at that doll, I would not allow it in my home. Like, And I mean, now I would because I've seen what Robert can do and it's not that frightening. It's like, just give him a good kick to the head. But like... <laughs> Like that thing should not belong. That thing does not belong anywhere near humans. It should just be put on fire somewhere. I thought he moves kind of like Billy the puppet in the Saw movies. He's just like slowly rotating. It's like, hello, I'm Robert. <laughs> I want to play a game. Okay. Also, he never speaks. And no, I know that's like a whole, like, you know, jumping ahead five movies, I can say. He never speaks. He just like, I don't know what his thing is. I don't know what his deal is. What's Robert so mad about? But, I don't know why he doesn't speak. Um, well, one of the things that's kind of strange about him is that it's supposed to be like a haunted doll movie. But unlike Annabelle, where it's like 
the doll doesn't actually like walk around and kill people. It's just like it is a source of spiritual haunting and demons that like go out and cause all sorts of mischief. Uh, Robert is is more like Chucky sort of. He just like runs around and killing people, but he doesn't talk like Chucky. So it's like he has he doesn't really he's not very developed as a character, shall we say? We and we don't even get to see very much of him. So the the nature of Robert, especially in the first movie, is very mysterious. We know like nothing about him. Um I also wanted to note that in the in the cold open here, uh we have a Lynn Shay type as yes. the uh the housekeeper. Um, and she's the one that's telling this family that the doll is haunted. Well, later on, like we find out that she's the one who brings Robert into this subsequent house. Mm-hmm. But is she responsible for putting Robert in this first house too? And she's like supposed to be helping them out, like telling them, "Oh, the doll is haunted." But it's like, but you brought him here. What? Okay, <laughs> can I? Can I okay, I actually. Uh, so to I, to answer this, I have to spoil something that happens at the end of like three or four. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I can assure you, I will not be watching. Exactly. Any more I don't Robert think anybody movies. gives a shit. Um. So the the creator of Robert is this guy who calls himself the toy maker, or people call him the toy maker, and this woman is his sister and she knows what robert does she knows that he's evil and she's like he's unhinged and you sick him on people and he's like no i do not but of course like we know he does and so um she just takes the doll and takes it to these houses where people were mean to her that's what she does (laughs) like (laughs) just just like you're mean to me well guess what now you have to deal with robert in in the in the in the it's like a post or mid credit scene in one of the late i can't remember if it's number three or number four but whatever um she she literally says they were mistreating me, so I have to do this. And she steals the doll when she's told no. She just takes it and leaves. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so we're left to, like, I don't know if it was the first family or the second family, but the fact that it wasn't they fired me makes me think it was the first family. So she's just, like, doing this. She's just out here like, well, I feel wronged, so now I will let a doll murder you. <laughs> That's really interesting because I feel like in this first one, the, towards the end, I was... I have to admit, not paying particularly close attention at this point because the movie had lost me about 10 minutes in, sure, if even that far. But uh, I feel like there was a little exposition point where when the mom went back to the the old employers of the maid. Right. They, Who we see in the opening scene. They said something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they said something like she had an incident where she dealt with the supernatural and it went wrong. And it was kind of hand-waved as that. I don't know. Maybe that's the right. summary of the encounter that you're describing in the well, future. But Well, it, it, that's, that's, that's how they presented in the first movie. And as someone who's only seen the first two and a half movies, <laughs> I can say that at the very least, it's that's completely retconned in the second film. Yeah, absolutely. So, that, I uh, think they retconned the entire concept of Robert by the second movie. <laughs> Robert takes on a whole new identity and purpose. His name is Joey now. Movie. I've got to say, I'm already highly anticipating the episode where you watch all five Roberts over the course of the day. (laughs) Oh, God. The Saw Saw series already led us very close to the breaking point. A a Robert marathon might just be what does us in. Robert is way more, like, I I don't want to say palatable, but, like, it, like, won't break us quite as heavily. Like, there's not, like, people, like, opening their faces, you know? Like, that's not happening, so. It it might not be like that, but it might be trying to eat 
five saltines in a minute. Remember yes, that? It challenge. would be like that. <laughs> I'm just like, how, how is this? This seemed so doable when I first started. Um, so yeah. So after that cold open, ba- like the whole basic premise from there on out is like, we see this family that's going through like some domestic turmoil. The w- wife has some sort of undisclosed mental illness that she's dealing with. <laughs> and, <laughs> The child is like some very naive, neglected child. And uh, most of the movie is literally just like them fighting about their personal troubles with Robert, like just off who knows where doing whatever. And then um, it's just like about their domestic turmoil as people around them get killed by Robert, um, who, as we mentioned, was left by the old maid was also shown in the cold open who i guess was fired because she's getting older and can't do her job as well anymore but she basically decides like all right well i'm gonna give him robert now and now they have to deal with him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so and then he scampers around like a raccoon <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of scampering in here I, I do love all the shots of robert's feet like walking down the hall <laughs> yes. I'll say I do like the POV shots running like two feet off the ground. I I like imagining the cameraman (laughs) running around holding the camera like that. Scurrying. Between his knees. (laughs) I do Um, also like the night that Robert just inexplicably breaks a jar of sugar and steps in it and runs around and does nothing else. Like that's his entire purpose that night. He just breaks some sugar and (laughs) moves on for the night. And she's like, what did you do? Tomorrow. She's like blaming she's blaming her son. And like that's that's part of the, the movie that reminded me a lot of like Brahms the boy too. Where it's yeah, like th- all these things that are getting blamed on the son. He's like, it wasn't me, it was Robert. I yes. mean that's that's child's play. Like it's the, child's play as well. Yeah. That is also child's play. Part of it is the kid getting blamed and like, oh, maybe it was the kid doing it all. Although child's play kind of undercuts itself by having the opening scene where you clearly see that serial killer use magic to put himself in a doll. Right. So it's like, why are we even suggesting it could be the kid? Yeah. And child's play, we know it's never the kid. Um, Brahms makes you want to think that. And this movie makes you want to think that, but like nobody thinks that I don't, I mean, the movie is called Robert and the poster is this like obviously (laughs) evil doll. So like nobody for a second believes that it's the boy and not the doll. Um, (laughs) That that would have been an angle if they had really leaned into, is it the kid actually doing these things? Cause they, they toyed with it a little bit, but they definitely didn't fully go like it's it's really not up for question that this doll is haunted. But if they had kind of made that ambiguous for a while, I feel like that could have been a compelling different way to spin this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, Brahms, uh, not Brahms the boy too, but the original boy sort of had some of those ideas in it. Um, and the, interestingly enough, this movie not only predates Brahms the boy too, but it predates the boy as well. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So one has to wonder, was the boy inspired by Robert 2015? I really, it's hard not to think that it was. Um, it's like (laughs) some of the plot elements are so similar. Like, the, and like the idea of this doll like latching onto this boy who's like, no, he just wants to be my friend. And like, it's like, ah, 
<laughs> like that's exactly what Brahms the boy too is gonna do soon. Also, right. I want to point out that this boy like gets the doll and he's like, "Ew, I'm not a girl. I don't play with dolls." And like later that day, when the mom comes in and is like, "Do you want me to take this doll away?" He's like, "No, no, no, no. You were you were very mean to her, meaning the maid. You can't do that. He didn't like that." And it's like like two seconds ago, you hated this doll <laughs> and didn't want anything to do with it, and now you're like, "You were very mean to the maid." Like it's a very bizarre turnaround that happens. Like while he's playing Game Boy one day. It's just like, well, I've decided that now I'm upset about this whole thing. So he and the doll had a heart to heart and yeah. they decided that yeah, now they're now they're best buds. He's I also like, like not five years old. And so like oh, he's yeah. like the doll is talking to me. It's like you're like of an age where like this should be more alarming to you fundamentally. I, like like half the notes from me watching this movie were about how ridiculous this kid was. So he's twelve <laughs> years old with like a haircut of a guy who wants to be a soccer star or something like mm-hmm, that. Yeah. <laughs> and you can tell the actor just wants to be home playing Call of Duty. Like he is yeah. <laughs> the most disinterested kid actor I've ever seen. And I've seen some pretty bad ones. And he did you notice he's never doing anything? He's yeah. always just sitting there. He's it's like no kid is just sitting there. Even if they're a little weird, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Where's yeah. the iPad? <laughs> He's not a very active child, apparently. No. I mean, um, I feel like the transition between him not liking the doll and liking the doll happens entirely in the handoff scene. Just the maid saying, yeah. no, this doll is special and you should be attached to him. And the kid <laughs> is like, yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she she says it's like you were like she says like look at you two it's like you were always meant to be together i'm like oh my god this is seriously brahms boy too like yeah. <laughs> they are they are fated to, to be together they are mirror images of one another apparently I um just, like poor kid like what's wrong with him that he like immediately buys that like poor, <laughs> poor guy. like as a, a parent i can tell you that's exactly how attachment works in real life you say <laughs> You now like me and listen to me, and they'll just do whatever you say from there on. That's how it works. It's amazing. Well, you're the only one who's had children, so that that probably is true. <laughs> uh, so, I like during the the maid's firing scene, where uh, like as we said, the the wife when she's firing the maid is like very conciliatory. She like is not doing this to be mean she's doing it because like she actually needs real help around the house and the maid just is not up to it anymore she says i'm really sorry and the maid says you will be yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh that doesn't sound menacing at all i i I don't know why the maid would be saying that to me all of a sudden surely i won't think about it from here on no never there's actually a lot of instances in this movie where like people say things that the other person should then like take seriously. And they don't like later on in the movie when the little boy gets up and he's like, the dad's like, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to bed. And the dad's like, Oh no, the little boy says, I'm going to bed. Goodbye, dad. And the dad's just like, <laughs> we normally say good night. And he's like, I know, but this time it's goodbye. And just walks away. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, first of all, that's really weird. But second of all, like the sun is out. Like we see the sunlight. So <laughs> Like, why is the boy going to bed? I don't understand. Also, four people have died on your premises in the last 24 <laughs> hours. Like, shouldn't you be a little concerned that that's, something's that's, off here? That's not sketchy at all. I, I do like, so, like, the first person to die is the babysitter, right? Uh, the babysitter shows up, 
And then, like, when they come back, she's just gone. No, no, no. First is the one who's lying at the bottom of the stairs. The stairs, yeah. The stairs. She's at the bottom of the stairs. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. So I think we may need to edit this because we might end up talking over each other. But I think it's worth pointing out that it's like one babysitter immediately gets thrown down the stairs and like mortally wounded, and her name is Martha. And the way they deal with it is, oh, we'll call Marcy. Yes, that is true. Another <laughs> so, baby, and, and she immediately gets taken out too. So yeah. why not make these two people with very similar names one scene? <laughs> it's a repeated problem of this movie, where anything that could have happened in fifteen seconds needs to take two plus minutes. Yep. It's like one character needs to be at least two different characters with the same thing happening right <laughs> after the other. Well, the first, so the first one was the replacement maid, right? And then the babysitter was the second one. When the babysitter showed up after the maid having gotten thrown down the stairs, I was like, oh, good. More innocent young women for Robert to hurt. This is going well. Um, (laughs) But she just like, they come back after the world's most non-existent date night, which was (laughs) apparently, what? I was going to say, this was the date night after the mirror incident, right? Like with the <laughs> lipstick. Because that was also my favorite date night ever, where it's like she walks into her bedroom and sees her mirror with the word die written on it on her <laughs> lipstick. And she obviously gets upset. Like, I would be upset too. And then she brings her husband up to look at it, and the, the lipstick's gone. Which, by the way, how Robert cleans a mirror of lipstick <laughs> is beyond me, because he, lipstick does not come off. And He so, learned from the maid how to clean that up really well. <laughs> And so then they go on this date and they're on their way back. And the the husband has like chided her about like, oh, well, maybe you're just seeing things and hearing things because of your symptoms, which they refer to a million times, but never clarify what the fuck she has. Like (laughs) she just has symptoms. And that she like, they're coming back and she's acting upset. And he's like, why are you upset? And it's like, I don't know. Maybe it's because you accused her of being fucking insane. Just like 20 (laughs) minutes ago. Like, yeah, but like, (laughs) Serious damper on the date night. <laughs> well, I was gonna say it seems like the whole it seems like the whole date night is just like them driving around in the car arguing with each other because we don't see them like do anything fun. Well, they <laughs> couldn't. Like, the movie could not afford to be in a public setting like that looks like a restaurant, <laughs> so we had to just like limit our environments here. Clearly, <laughs> speaking of the sets. I thought this set was really bad and dumb. It looked like a bed and breakfast. Like I, I'm pretty sure they just rented four hotel rooms at some cheap little hotel, and that was their set for however long it took them to film. <laughs> that that's very believable. I don't know. The 12 uh, year old boy had a had a really great dinosaur bed spe- bed spread. I don't know if you saw <laughs> it. Had like T Rexes all over it, and I was like, Ooh. okay, it's like a. <laughs> Again, I don't think 12-year-olds would be having dinosaurs. No, I really don't. Like, at the age of 12 as a boy, you're sort of like, I have to be a grown-up now. And so you want, like, solid, like, plaid or something. I don't know, but... I've got to say, the set is dumb. It's not a criticism I've ever had come up before. (laughs) It's dumb. Um, So I wanted to talk about the camera work. uh, Now that we're we're getting delving into the nitty-gritty here. Um, For some reason... Every part of this movie that isn't the horror scene is still shot with the shaky cam. It's yeah. like they couldn't afford a tripod. So they, they had that whole scene near the beginning, which I swear is like a 10-minute argument of them just like the husband and wife sitting around the dinner table. And it's like everything is like this 
horrible shaky cam. Like, I feel like they're about to, like, jump up and get into a fight, like a physical fight any moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think, yeah, I think it was, the, it was, like, super zoomed in and shaky. They just didn't want you to be able to tell that they were not in the room that the story said they should be in. So this was how they were going to disguise it. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> like, but I'm yeah. not normally one to notice technical details in a film, but... This was a really badly shot movie. <laughs> Man. It's like they would always man. have aggressive z- close-ups during the dialogue with like something blurred in the foreground, and it just gave me a headache to watch. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you from the later installments that whoever's doing the camera does not learn how to do focus between the first installment and the later ones. No. It's just it's consistently like that. <laughs> That actually, yeah, that never gets better. I gotta tell you, I've seen all five now. Um, so, as the as the premier Robert expert on the pod tonight, I gotta say, you may be the world's foremost Robert expert. I, at this there's point. got, I mean, there is somebody out there who like genuinely loves these movies, and I don't just mean Andrew Jones, but there is somebody who loves these movies. Or you might know more about Robert than Robert the doll knows about Robert. I, well, Robert the Doll doesn't know shit. I gotta say, Robert the Doll is like a blank vessel. But um, yeah. Also, the the I do know that the lead actor in this movie, the dad, might also know a lot about the Robert franchise, considering he plays the toy maker in all of the subsequent installments. Okay, oh my God. I was wondering about that because <laughs> the one actor I thought I recognized from this movie was the dad, and then I looked him up, and pretty much his IMDb page is Robert two, Robert three, <laughs> Robert four. Mm-hmm. And Jurassic Predator, yes, which also, was also think, made it, by the same studio. Was he maybe in Werewolves of the Third Reich as well? Oh, that's can, right. Yes, yeah. also Werewolves <laughs> of the Third Reich. Yeah, of course. So. <laughs> maybe there's a cinematic universe there where there's like since the oh, Nazis he was also in are Cabin the... Twenty Eight. So you know he's done some things. Um, but in you this know, one, he just the... gets to play lawyer dad who definitely like defends landlords in court for a living. It's <laughs> um, probably his thing. Yeah, I loved how they talked about his job. It was like, well, I have to. I would had to do my hard lawyering things today. Yeah, there I was had to no go like... in and do my clients in defense. Yes. Everybody was like the most generic version of anything they could be. He was like, you know how hard it is with my clients sometimes. And she's like, you know how my symptoms are. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> gotta <laughs> gotta head down to the lawyer factory. I'm working late shifts there. And she was like, she was like, well I can't you know, maybe if I had more help around the house then I could do my work too. And her work is apparently like painting these weird surreal paintings yes and she always has to wear plaid when she paints i made a specific point to note this it's like every time she paints she's like i'm gonna put on a plaid shirt now i'm like yeah because painters just wear plaid this is a (laughs) so i was wondering how many of those paintings were done by her and like how many were we to understand the doll had painted like were they were, were they all hers did she paint that scary velvet clown painting no, I, that had to be the doll. And I also think that's a doll because there is a scary clown doll that appears later on in some of the stuff. Yes, movies. I noticed that. It's yeah, like so. when they, they finally started doing some long shots and yeah. you could see, oh, wait, there's like three other creepy dolls in this house. Yeah, yeah they're I alive. really want a velvet scary clown painting. <laughs> An- oh another thing on that, that scene where they the dad goes and looks at the paintings, and I think this is supposed to signify... He's like processing that his wife has really gone off the rails, but we know it's because there's an evil presence in the house. 
Sure, yeah. Like, how has he just not been up there in like months? Because it there was like fifteen paintings up there. Yeah, like, I absolutely believe that he was at least not there. one of those. I mean, like, hmm, maybe I should call my wife's psychiatrist and no. let him know. Like prior He's- to going up and being surprised about all those <laughs> weird one-eye freaky paintings up there. No, I think that he's a very absent husband and father. He's just like not paying attention. Um, he's just always like running around lawyering. And I mean, did you, like they didn't even tell the kid that they were going to fire the maid, who is probably like the only person he talks to in this family. Like none of them talk to one another, apparently, except for when she has a mental breakdown. That's the only time they communicate. Um, and I still want to know what the breakdown was about. What was it? it like- uh, the first that we were the first time we were introduced to it in the opening argument scene, she says, "Does my illness frighten you, Paul?" And that's all we really know about it. Yeah. My my working theory is that she one time smelled a really really bad fart because she, her acting in this movie was mostly making facial expressions as as if she had smelled a fart a few minutes ago. Oh my god. So, so in the name of looking for the good, who would you say gives the strongest performance in this film? Oh my god, it, it's hard to say. I mean, in terms of strength, I don't know. the The wife is definitely giving the most actual like performance. Like everyone else, just sort of feels like they're sleepwalking through this, and mm-hmm. she's like at least acting a lot. I don't know if it's good. But like the contrast between her and the husband who is like barely phoning it in is like the most, especially when they're arguing with each other is like, it's an insane contrast. So I would maybe give it to her just cause like, at least she's trying. Yeah. I personally think it's the Robert doll though. (laughs) (laughs) When, when Martha showed up the new maid and she was immediately giving off some vibes and she was like, I, I was sure it was going to go down the route of the, the dad either considering having an affair or having an affair or something. Yeah. But then she immediately gets shoved down the, uh, the stairs. Yeah. But I would say if she was able to convince me that that was going to happen in the, her 60 seconds of film time, I'll give the award to her, Martha, the new maid. That's a good point. Uh, that might've actually been interesting if that had happened. I was really surprised that didn't happen. I also thought that was going to happen. I had the exact same same reaction to that. Well, sometimes you think things are going to work out, and then she gets pulled up, pushed down the stairs by an evil doll. <laughs> Can just we just it it'd be like that? You know, some days yeah. the, the, the power ranking of the death scenes. I mean, none <laughs> of them were particularly good, but what was the worst one? I actually think it might be when Paul, who's the the dad, the husband. When he gets hit by the baseball bat, I actually <laughs> laughed out loud of how anticlimactic and cheesy that was. But that didn't even kill him, so it was fine. You know, he came back. Oh yeah, it made you think he was dead because yeah. wake up, wake up, yeah. and then he didn't wake up. But then he perfectly threw. Actually, the worst quote-unquote death scene might be when he threw the knife through Robert, and we don't even get a shot of it. It's like a a three-frame shot of the knife in him, so that we know that the the doll is dead. That was definitely the worst way to kill Robert the doll. Like they threw a knife. It's a small knife and it landed in Robert and then he's dead. And I'm like, wait, he's a doll. Like he doesn't have a heart that that pierced. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I was very surprised that that the father was so confident that that would work. And then it did. 
Wow, okay. Well. I feel like dolls would be particularly immune to that. Like, all you have to do is just sew it up a little bit, you know? Like, right. knives don't, they don't pierce have... the cursed soul of an evil doll. <laughs> they don't have any organs require them to, like, required to keep them alive. Um, except maybe in uh, Robert 2, we might see some doll organs. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what <laughs> happened in that movie. That's a good question. I don't know what happened in that movie either. Um, yeah, yeah. The um, what the death scene that I actually kind of liked, um, but one that had absolutely every ounce of tension taken out of it by the way it was put in the movie was the death of the babysitter, which they show us in flashback after like they reveal that she's already dead. Oh, yeah. that was bizarre. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, oh, it just so. Odd. So just so that we all know exactly how the scene's going to end before we show it to you, here's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> they find out she's at the hospital and that she's dead. And then for some reason, we're showing a flashback of her getting killed by Robert. <laughs> and it's like, it looks like they filmed like, I don't know, maybe four different scenes like her inside the house then outside the house at the shed and stuff like that like all sorts of different stuff and they condensed that into like a 10 second montage i'm like did they originally have something there that they just decided nah we're not going to show all that yeah why why did they cut that down when they had (laughs) every single scene of dialogue was shot the same way it was alternating close-ups of the characters and then they would say a line and then the camera would wait an excruciating second and a half on that character before jumping <laughs> to the next character it was it was so and then they have an actual potentially interesting death scene and they do it in like a, a <laughs> 10 second montage that is definitely one of the more frustrating aspects of this movie is you know you're watching a killer doll movie at the very least you expect to see like a lot of killer doll stuff doll going around killing people and you know like you could do that badly but it would still be an entertaining movie just by uh yeah just because you have a killer doll on screen going around killing stuff but for some reason the strongest element of a killer doll movie is the one they decide to focus least on and they decide to focus most on the scenes of the domestic drama which are probably the weakest part of the writing in this film yeah. i think i think we have to face the fact that the director and writer andrew jones thought that this was not just a killer doll movie. He <laughs> genuinely believed this was a serious domestic drama. Um, he was it's, sorely mistaken about that. But <laughs> It's not just about the doll. It's about how the doll disrupts this domestic tranquility that they have. Okay, they were um, not a tranquil. <laughs> they were not at all. Um, I, I have a, a question for you guys. All right. What did you think of the final twist scene? Where, you know, it's kind of shot the same way as as if it's the doll. And then we see, oh yeah, the dad does get stabbed again. But the last cut, or last shot is the son all bloody, implying that he was the one who did the murder this time. It wasn't the the doll, even though... Okay, so I wanted to cut in. Go ahead. Um, Teddy already introduced Troll 2 into this podcast, so (laughs) I'm not going to be the first one to do it. All right. But... This movie, I, I, just want, this I want to movie, say that Troll 2 is our rock of ages over at the goods. <laughs> it's a classic. This movie took the Troll 2 ending, where it looks like everything has 
you know, come together nicely. The family has defeated the monster. Uh But then somebody, they come back home and somebody goes to take a bath. And then there is a murder. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> right down to the bath. That's uh, that's impressive. It's also the Halloween four ending. It's the literal ending of Halloween four. Oh yeah. Oh my god. And there's a bath in that one too. Yeah. What is going on? <laughs> it's a symbol of absolution, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's Ablution like is absolution. They're like, oh, I'm gonna wash myself of all this horror that we've experienced, but you can't wash it away. The horror is still there. You're going to get murdered by a child. Yeah. Oh, my God. That That is... I also, I just want to be clear that I don't know if the child murdered the dad. Like, I actually genuinely don't know what happened there. It's and unclear. Because the, we, the sequel does not clarify that. It does not. It just doesn't. It's like, no, we're not going to touch on that any further. And I'm like, but what <laughs> happened? Like, well, we do find that the, the child is in, like, some sort of facility... At, yes. uh, in in part two, so we know at least the police suspect that he was uh, responsible, right? But they could I, just I, be blaming I, him for everything. I got to give the movie credit. I was so cynical about it. I thought it was just going to be the doll reappearing, and it was going to be a sequel bait moment. But when they <laughs> actually had the the kid do it, I was surprised, and they kind of laid the groundwork pretty well for it. As I was thinking about about some of the lines for it. So that was, I would say, the only mo- moments that the writing actually kind of surprised me and intrigued me was yeah. that, that final shot. Well, so I was curious. I, sorry to kind of cut the tension here. But <laughs> um, since you did bring it up before we came and joined you tonight, what are you guys drinking as we discuss, Robert? Oh, good point. Yes. Uh, so I'm drinking a German beer, which is... Okay kind of on theme because as we later find out robert exists because of the nazis (laughs) (laughs) robert does in fact exist because of the nazis so i am drinking an apple cider moscow mule um which is relevant because halloween and apple cider but also because the fifth one has to do with stalin so you know Oh, good. I'm glad we brought both the Nazis and the Soviets into this series. I mean, really to be impressive. fair, Fanta exists because of the Nazis, so I could be drinking <laughs> that. But uh, I've got some Evan Williams Kentucky Cider, which is like bourbon and apple liqueur mixed together. It's my favorite drink of the fall. I was thinking of making a Rob Roy to fit with this movie, but I, <laughs> I think this works well, too. What is a Rob Roy? I've, I've never had that before. It sounds like it's bourbon mixed with vermouth, which... Sounds very bizarre to me. Yeah, that's interesting. What? Oh, wow. That is strange. I mean, I would drink it because I'd drink literally any alcohol, but that sounds <laughs> uh, I'm drinking uh, a Cloud Walker Hazy Juicy IPA from Victory Brewing, Ooh, Pennsylvania, Downington, Pennsylvania. So my story on this one is... Um, we used to record a beer tasting podcast on a, a website, a blog that I run. And we, we did a few episodes of a beer tasting podcast. And the guy who knew the most about beer, his name's Colton. He uh, was really into Victory Brewing. It was one of his favorite breweries. And so I've always been on the lookout for Victory Brewing beer when I can see it. And last week, I happened to be at the grocery store. I haven't been to the grocery store, you know, 
since 2020 upended all of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Like once or twice. And I went there and it had 15 pack variety cans on clearance for $12 a box. And I bought two of them. And I'm now thinking I should have bought like eight of them or like whatever their whole stock was. $12 for a, a 15 can pack is a, a pretty yeah. good part. Yeah, that's that pretty good. good. And I'm about to open a uh, High Lie India Pale Ale from Cigar City Brewing, which is uh, one of my go-to IPAs. Nice. Nice. Very nice. My next drink is just a Bud Light, so I'm <laughs> after my my nice drink, I'm just like going downhill from there. Well, it's kind of like the rest of this movie. Yeah, it's- <laughs> Rapidly goes downhill. Um. Yeah, um, I think later on in the movie, we do realize why they show us so little of Robert. Uh, it's because every time you see him like lifting a knife or whatever, it just looks absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh, very funny. It's hard not to. <laughs> I, I really do think that it's literally like they didn't even make him a puppet or anything. It's literally just a doll that somebody out of frame is like lifting the arms and stuff. Uh, it. It does not look great. It looks it it's laugh out loud hilarious when you see it. I, I feel like it came up earlier, but the one of the shot of the shoes moving in particular <laughs> got me. Yeah, that's really good. It reminded me of like when I'm reenacting a scene with my my daughter's toys, like trying to do <laughs> something with them, except this was supposed to be a menacing evil doll, not a dad playing with his two daughters. Just like <laughs> do 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 so the head of the Robert doll looks like it's made out of some kind of vegetable to me. Like there was a Vincent Price kit, like a craft kit that was sold back in like the sixties or seventies to make shrunken heads out of carved and dried apples. <laughs> and that is what the Robert, the doll head looks like to me. It does. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I just the main disappointment with Robert is as a character is that he didn't get his like Chucky revealing his true self type moment. You know, I think that's one of the best moments in Child's Play, a movie that clearly this film is heavily inspired by uh, is the one where like even though we've seen the uh, the serial killer use voodoo to put his spirit into the chucky doll we're not entirely clear what the nature of this doll is until we finally see him give up the act and he's just like you dumb bitch you better not burn me and like that moment is like you actually get to see him become a real character where he's just been a stationary doll the entire time we don't get that with robert he finally get to see him move a little but he he never really feels like an actual character Exactly. Once Chucky is out in the open, he's out there. He's yeah. doing it. It's like they have a fancy animatronic and he's going nuts. But we yeah. don't get it with Robert. It, it is pretty ridiculous that uh, a movie made like 30 years before has much better <laughs> technology for the living doll. Uh, but here we are. Yeah, yeah. And it just feels like that wouldn't have been, that couldn't have been that hard to come up with, you know, like and this guy is clearly I mean, Poor Andrew Jones. He's got to be like self-funding this whole project. I mean, like he's done four sequels and he's the writer and director of all of them. 
this is very sad. This is a very sad set of affairs. He's got to be funding his own movies. Can he just put some money into giving the puppet some life? I mean, it's really exactly. You would think if if you're gonna finance a creepy doll movie, at least give some budget for the creepy doll in action. It seems like it was all camera trickery. Like they had neck. Like I would rather have had some actual doll action than five sequels of Robert. Like put your money there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like some of the effects in here, I think show more than just a lack of budget and just like a lack of ingenuity. Uh, specifically, I, well, I'm going to get into the second movie here, but there's a scene in uh, part two where Robert slit someone's throat with a razor and a, like a tactic Robert likes a lot. Yeah. And I have seen many of like the most low budget movies in the world that have better like razor cut effects like you can get uh, a razor that will pump fake blood out of it so that when you're drawing it across skin it looks like it's leaving a line of blood but in this one they literally just show the razor move across and then quick cut to a line of blood across the neck so it's like they didn't even spring for that like ten dollar effect (laughs) they're literally just trying to do everything in camera uh and then they've just they didn't even give him like a like a stick on neck wound afterwards they just had his neck like coated in blood Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's very obviously does not have any wound he just like got (laughs) blood all over him for some reason there's a uh by the fourth one they're in the fourth one involves a lot of gunfire and they're on a train and they're shooting people and it's just like the sort of blood effects you might have seen in like Resident Evil 2. Like it likes it like mists into the air and then it disappears and there's no blood on the surroundings. There's no blood anywhere. I'm like, I don't understand. This is the fourth movie in and we can't do better than this. Like um so it like that never it's baffling how that never gets better in this franchise. The the Robert franchise is a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, and you're the, not scary enough to cause nightmares. <laughs> no. That's true. <laughs> the one thing I will say for it is they they got five movies made. I <laughs> mean, did. that's pretty impressive. I got I gotta say I, that. that I is will what also say, is. it's very bold, like just like at on a conceptual level to say I'm making this movie that's a domestic drama and making a second movie that's like college romance gone awry. And then from there, I'm going to take the doll and use that to expound on themes relating to Nazi Germany and <laughs> Stalinism. I mean, that that takes guts. I got to gotta tell you. Um, That's vision. <laughs> so, I did have Andrew one. Jones. It doesn't, none of it makes any sense, but hey. So you guys have been delving into streaming titles a lot recently. And I know that's kind of of necessity. Right. But I feel like this might be the quintessential Amazon Prime movie. That's that's true. I, I mean, that, as a service, the the strength and the weakness of Amazon Prime is that it opens its doors far wider than Netflix or Hulu. It is it 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 has a large tent mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And and brings in filmmakers at all levels. Amazon Prime is very much the uh, the catch-all service for extremely low-budget horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that, like, part of the reason I wanted to talk about this movie was that it just, above, it, it like, stands out to me out of all those, like, really cheap-looking horror movies that you see 
pop up again and again in Amazon searches. I'm like, this one kept showing up and it seems like possibly one of the best known of these extremely micro budget horror movies. Uh, Certainly the fact that they were able to keep interest high enough to make five of these would indicate that there must be some sort of following out there. I don't know. But yeah, this is definitely uh, the the quintessential Amazon Prime uh, horror release. There was one, th- one scene in this movie that brought me legitimate joy, and I actually couldn't tell if it was, like, I guess it was campy. It, it crossed over from being most of this movie is bad in a not very fun way but this one was maybe bad in a fun way but it's when she takes the doll to her bedroom and starts shouting at it to start talking to her oh my god this was so good yeah (laughs) talk to me (laughs) it it reminded me of this old youtube video back in reddit's earliest days when reddit would go down all the time if you would go to reddit when it was down it would just have a link to a youtube video that was this guy at a mall slamming the door with his saying, <laughs> Oh, yes. Why are you closed? Why are I you know closed? And as she was shouting, Talk to me. I kept thinking of the Why are you closed guy. <laughs> so that mom yelling, Talk to me moment. I mean, that's the moment in Child's Play that we get the shift to the animatronic and it everything goes crazy and we, you know, get awesome practical effects and. I, I'm still not over that the fact that we didn't hear. Exactly. I really, I really wonder how much the movie thought it was like, like you know, being like, I don't know, like it thought it was clever by not giving it <laughs> subverting um, expectations. Ah, yeah. uh, you think this is when the we dolls are subversive because we just had a woman yell the word "speak" that took her two seconds to shout in this doll's face, and it said nothing. <laughs> uh, well, it had nothing to do with the budget. It was all about subversion. There ha- I mean, it literally did not have to do... I mean, there's just no way they couldn't budget the doll making a noise there. Like, I, <laughs> they had the budget for that. They just didn't want to do it. It's, and they Maybe they under- couldn't make Robert's mouth move, so they're like, ah, oh, fuck it. So if, if you guys will indulge me and perhaps Brian, on our podcast, we have a segment towards the end, which we just call, Is It Good? And... <laughs> I've come up with a scale we haven't quite finalized. We're still working on it, but it's our eight eight point level of goodness scale. So the idea is that it's it's levels of goodness, and each one has the word good in it. But you can give it a score here. It's almost like a four star rating. It's like each one is a half star, but it it's kind of when you just say it out loud, you can kind of know intuitively how good was this movie. So I'll tell you what the eight scales are, or excuse me, the eight levels on the scale are. Let's see if I can pull them all off the top of my head. It's very not good, not good, not 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 good. Yes, yeah. Good-ish. So those are the bottom four. If you're in the bottom four, you're in the not good territory. And then you get up into the good territory. It's good, very good, exceptionally good, and tour day good, as in tour day force. Okay. So where do you think this movie lands on the goodness scale? And if you go above the bottom two, I'm going to be questioning you, but sorry, I guess I'm biasing. The, Before you deliver a final too. judgment, I'm going to say I'm a little surprised Dan brought our structure to bear here 
I thought this would be the one where uh, you guys control format. Um, <laughs> That's all good. That's all good. In, <laughs> on on that topic, I, I think I've hit the bottle a little hard. Trying to channel your guys's uh, format. <laughs> that's all good. That's that's the basis of our format. Exactly. Uh, so we we welcome any so our, of structure as, at any as time. Such, sometimes things just go whatever way they do. There's no. <laughs> there's no. It's fine. But yeah, yeah um, this movie was very not good. This movie. Was- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not uh, just going to be a chorus from us all all saying "very not good." I, I'll I'll give it a not good. Um, a slightly higher. Just for for ambition in recognition of the fact that it kicked off four different sequels. Um, I just but, like think that we need to do some research and we'll find out that it didn't kick off anything and that he's just had the money <laughs> to fund them all. But, people yeah. have been people have been begging him to stop and he like keeps making them. I don't know. Um, I I will say that you know it it takes a lot of work to get any movie made. Um, I don't like to come down too hard on any movie, but it's hard to say anything good about this one. There's like, I don't know. There's, there's no great filmmaking being done here. Nope. You could expect to see stuff better done in like your average 48 hour film festival or student film or something. It's, I mean, it's impressive. Actually, we've talked a bit about, how low the budget obviously is, but there there are some resources on the screen here. It's impressive that somebody managed to gather them to make this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yet not managed to make much of anything. Exactly. Right. Like I think the biggest problem is that next week when I'm looking back on the things I watched so far in Halloween season, <laughs> I will not remember the Robert entire franchise. I think these five <laughs> movies, I'll be like, I fucking spent how long on those movies? Um, you'll, you'll look at your letterbox logs and be like, speak to me. <laughs> yes, I will speak. Um, God, at least I broke it up with Rock of Ages once. once. <laughs> A little palate cleanser there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know. I can't say that I'm going to... I mean, and that's probably the most disappointing part is that I was hoping that it would at least be, like, goofy and silly. And in that way, it would be memorable. But, I mean, it wasn't even really that. It was just kind of boring. And that, for me, is the cardinal sin of cinema, is being boring. That's my top-line note on all my notes for this film in bold. Just so boring. (laughs) <laughs> just make it fun and dumb. Like it can be bad as long as it's fun and dumb. But if you're just people talking to each other in a non-interesting way with no actual crazy doll on screen, I'm not in. I'm not signing up. No. You can't spell Robert without bore. Or, <laughs> or without Rob, which is our time was robbed from us. Um at one point, I wrote it here. I I don't really like either of the main characters, and the movie gives us no reason to. Um, <laughs> there really is like no sympathy to be had for the main characters, um, and we are not even given the benefit of seeing them die in excruciating ways, which is always the the last hail mary of bad characters in a horror movie. Um, we don't really get that either. <laughs> no. So. No. I think I'm going to land on very not good as well, just because I asked myself the question, could I ever see myself recommending this movie to anyone in any <laughs> circumstance? And I know is the answer. Like, yeah. if you want bad movies, at least pick bad fun movies. I mean, I don't know. 
Yeah, exactly. We can recommend bad fun movies for days. If you want to watch a bad horror movie about a dog, go watch Dead Silence. Please, God, go watch Ooh, Dead Silence. Don't watch this this movie. <laughs> Dead Silence is pretty fun in some ways. Um, it's, it's still not question, good, but questionable yes, achievement. Yeah. But there's there's so much there's so much on the screen there. There's so at much at least ambition. it's fun. That's the thing, and it is very this fun. This movie yeah. is not fun at all. And there is also a way that this movie could have been fun, scary about domestic troubles. And still, like, like there's a way it could have had it all, and it just didn't do it. So I was just no. hoping that the the domestic scenes would be a little more explosive. Like that would be the number one change I would make to this movie is if you're going to have these extended domestic spats, like don't try to make them like super realistic, which is just people like passive aggressively sniping at each other for twenty minutes. Make them like two people blowing up at each other yeah. for like half the time. Go like full soap movie. opera or Tommy Wiseau. Like that's what I want right now. Yeah. So. I was thinking, I was thinking like contrast this to the domestic drama scenes at the beginning of Rob Zombie's Halloween, wherein you've got a legless man say, I'm going to crawl over there and skull fuck you to death. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a fun scene. That's <laughs> exciting stuff happening there. I'll tell you that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, there was not enough skull fucking in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's note number two, is we need more of that. Yeah. I think that's probably a note that could be applied to most movies. Yeah. So. I can't say the last movie I've seen that had quite enough skull fucking in it. So. Um. Severely underlooked. What about you, Brian? Where where do you land on the is it good scale? So I guess now that I look back on it, I am glad that you brought the ratings to bear here because this this is where I get to give my first one, uh, <laughs> the lowest rating, whatever whatever the technical name is for it. This, we did it, Matt. We did it. <laughs> this movie was hard to watch. It, it it inspired me to like want to do like a top five scary dolls or. Or even like bottom five scary dolls that would still be above this. <laughs> like it, it makes me want to talk about the episode of um, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, where it's like a woman falls in love with a ventriloquist, but Ooh. then it turns out that the the what you think is the dummy is actually Billy Barty, who's like a a midget actor or dwarf actor. Oh my god! And then the puppet. <laughs> The puppet is a man-sized puppet that he is operating from. Like, he sits on the table and operates the human-sized puppet. Oh, my God. Yeah, I haven't seen this, but it sounds way more interesting than Robert. It does. I'm fascinated. Yeah, I, I like, the my biggest problem here is I was, like, constantly comparing this to better creepy doll movies. Yeah. Um, and I think the best thing I could say is rather than watching this, Go check out the boy series. Uh, it is not. <laughs> it is not the best creepy doll movie out series of movies out there, but it is definitely one of the weirder ones. If you and, liked some of the vibes this movie wanted to go for but didn't, you will like the boy. So, Brahms the boy too had all the like really insane energy that this was lacking. Yeah, Brahms the boy too has some. In- Mm, man, Brahms is just a tree. Listen, I love Brahms the boy too. <laughs> we we went over Brahms the boy too, so we yes. you can hear it hear it in our our very scattered episode from earlier this year. Um, I think I'm gonna have to look it up because you guys are ca- trying to talk me into it here. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Um, yeah. 
Why don't we, well, with the mention of sequels there, why don't we quickly gloss over some of the sequels since you've seen all of them. I saw two and a chunk of part three. All that I'll say before you guys dive in is that I, I asked in our discussion leading up to this episode, so, you know, half jokingly, so are you guys going to watch the sequels? And what I took to be sarcastically, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to watch the sequels. And it turns out they did watch the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> you should know with us, we never joke around about binging horrible movies. Yeah, I um, think we're both really, really bad about just being like, oh, we're all in now. We're going to do this. And <laughs> I mean that's the thing. Once you once you get once you hit a stride, you just sort of have to see where it where it turns out. So I saw I, wh- one of the things I found interesting about part two is that it actually tries to bring the whole museum thing in because you know mm-hmm. Robert is actually in a museum, um, but you know he's in I guess like some sort of art museum or something or it's, like historic house. It's very unclear what kind of museum because we only ever see his exhibit. I just like we don't see any of the other exhibits. Oh, I was talking about like in real life. He's in this Key West museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, in in this museum, in this movie, like it's not in Key West, first of all. (laughs) It's it's very clearly in England (laughs) or or I guess Wales. Um but like the museum seems to be some sort of like World War One museum or something. Like everything around is like war uniforms and relics and stuff and then they've got this random doll in there and <laughs> it's like the the whole thing is like the museum owner brought him in because it's like ooh it's sensationalism this supposedly haunted doll like but what does that have to do with the rest of the museum it's not like you're uh, like operating this murder museum or like a creepy spiritualist museum it's like a freaking war museum and you've got this haunted doll in there for no apparent reason no but to, to play not devil's advocate but isn't that like the the museum curator's like character like he's like of course this doesn't fit with our vibe but it'll make us money so whatever like that's oh, his yeah. whole thing the museum curator is a very strange and shady character um so yeah said, i mean you said not to play devil's advocate I feel like we should change that phrase not to play Robert's advocate. Not to play Robert's advocate. <laughs> Yo, uh, Robert Six, Robert's advocate. It's coming. I, okay, the there's not a 2020 release yet, so who knows? That, you know? Yeah, Robert they have not in Adrian's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> they have yet to release one this year, so they they might have been held back by the I COVID-19. Can't believe, I was going to say, I can't believe COVID kept us from another Robert. <laughs> it's robbed uh-huh. us of so much already. It's robbed um, us of Robert. Ah! <laughs> All right, so, yeah, and that's, like, that's basically two. He's, like, killing a bunch of people in a museum. And then at the end, we're given the glimpse of the toy maker who's about to become an important character later on. I feel like the end of two is when they really started to be like, all right, this is what Robert is going to be like from here on out. Yeah, they show the toy maker. Yeah. Yeah, they show the toy maker. And then at the end of the credits, they said Robert will return in the toy maker. I was like, oh, good. So we're doing like a James Bond thing here. Like, (laughs) Robert will return. Um. Yeah, and then part three opens up with like the most tedious recreation of the opening scene from *Inglorious Bastards*, mm-hmm. where it's like the the Nazi uh, interrogator hunting out some fugitive in someone's house and like asking him a bunch of questions. But this scene 
like went on for over 20 minutes. Yep. Featured the Nazis going away from the house and then later coming back for no explicable mm-hmm. reason. Yep. And just, oh, it was, oh, it was so bad. It's and painful. <laughs> it was like, it was, it was literally like that scene from Inglorious Bastards, but like five times as long and with none of the screenwriting or acting talent that that one had. I'm, I'm truly astonished given, given the uh, dramatic scenes in Robert one that <laughs> they didn't manage to pull that one off. Yeah, no, man, I, they dropped the ball. <laughs> it, I, it really starts to go downhill. At that. I also want to point out that like, it becomes like a drama about Nazi Germany, but like Andrew Jones is not German. He's like, <laughs> he's from the UK. Like, I, know like and maybe he doesn't need to be the person to make this movie about nazi <laughs> germany um so it's just like a very weird situation and the movie I, like so the third one has that opening scene and the fourth one also has a similar like sequence like it like opens <laughs> and it's like it's not as long it's not as like tense and drawn out but it's like oh is this person like gonna rat them out like it's like the same concept it happens again at like and i'm like okay we get it and the fourth movie literally goes nowhere it like it's in the same it's like right after the third movie it's like we're still in nazi germany and suddenly we're just going to get on a train and there's there's like a british spy but also a german spy and the british spy is like a double agent so the germans think he's with them i don't really know what's going on um it's very confusing and that's literally the movie and robert like doesn't do anything for the entire movie until the last ten <laughs> what like like i was it's like these people want okay so the premise becomes that there's this book Okay. And you might have seen the book in the third movie already. Yeah, I think it briefly shows up in the it's opening a, of the third it's movie. It's a book that has a spell that brings the dolls to life. It brings inanimate objects to life. Right. And, and so at the end of two, we saw a bunch of different living dolls. So yes. clearly so this has been used more than once. That's oh, Robert's what it is. cinematic universe. Yeah. There, oh, that, there's a whole. Yeah. That's what we're hoping for here. This movie is definitely opening doors to that. And like. That's what everybody wants. They want this, like, literally the Nazis are, like, trying to get this book that brings things back to life. That's literally, like, the premise. It's the and substitutionary the- locomotion spell from <laughs> Bedknobs and Broomsticks. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that you brought that into this. That's. <laughs> it's also just, like, a ridiculous concept that there were just, like, oh, and by the way, the Nazis, while they were also doing all the other things that, you know, the Nazis did, were also, like, we want to bring toys to life because, like, why the fuck not? <laughs> it will bring like, the toys? It will bring the children such joy. It's like, it's the Nazis. Like, I don't know. They were doing like far more heinous things. And it like, it's like, it's weird that you made them the villains. Um, yeah. They had a very yeah. scattered mission statement. It's like, yeah. You gotta well, get let me tell you that the fifth movie takes up that concept, like of hero versus villain directly. Uh, the fifth movie becomes that the toy maker has gone into hiding and he has his dolls, including a girl with one eye who has like Wolverine claws and a skull face doll that carries guns in its hands and shoots people. This is literally what the fifth movie is. Um, and so it sounds like I'm it's like, like becoming puppet master or something. It liter- yes. Yeah. Except it for did, it wants to be serious. Once um, the Nazis were introduced, it definitely seemed like it was taking on some puppet master kind of vibes. Yes. Although puppet master is just is much more entertaining. Yes. Puppet master knows itself as a movie. I would say that none of the Robert movies understand their own position in like film um (laughs) but in this movie he's in hiding with his dolls and like somebody who is a a spy for a pro stalin group 
like goes to a puppet show and is like, I think the puppets were actually alive. So I'm going to go track this guy down. <laughs> also, her name is Olga because of course her name is Olga. Right. And okay. like she goes to hunt this guy down and she's like, well, we'll just kill you if you won't give us the spell to wake up dolls because they think that his spell to wake up dolls will wake up Stalin. This is literally the plot of the movie. <laughs> that um, is what they're doing. <laughs> and so they're like, yes, if we do this, like it, you can save Stalin's life. Cause it's like, an alternate universe, the death of Stalin. <laughs> so, um, like, is they're this like, for real? What, what's yeah, happening? This is, this is literally what's happening in the movie. And so, um, and so they're like, oh yes, go get this book that would might save Stalin. And um, she gets killed, of course, by the Wolverine claws doll. And but at, not before she's like, what are you going to do, me little man? And then, of course, the dog kills her. And it's like, well, that's what it's going to do. So you, uh, I have I to say, I really like the idea of like real recognize real between living doll connoisseurs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, she, the puppets kind of look alive. We get to see her in the audience of the puppet show and she's like cheering. She's like fist pumping. She's like, yes! yes. I like, love yes. it. Yes! This is what I've been searching for all this time. Let me know. I'm like, okay, this is amazing. Um, and the, the toy maker spends his whole time like running around just like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. What book? And it's like, we all know what fucking book. We've seen the book. We know the fucking book. Oh my God. And to kill a mockingbird. So he gets on a plane. <laughs> yes, right? He gets on a plane and the best part is like the other guys like we don't care about like you coming back with us. We just I want you to help me. I don't care about Stalin and it's like so you're going to abandon Stalin. You're literally like a Stalin representative and you're going to abandon Stalin. I don't know if you know what Stalin <laughs> does, but like okay. And so He's like, I don't care. I just want the book for myself. And I'm like, why does everybody just want, like, the book just brings you back from life, back to life when you're dead? So, like, what are you going to do with the book if you die, buddy? You can't bring yourself back. <laughs> you're going to instruct like, someone else to bring yeah. you back. <laughs> and so he's like, and the toy maker's like, I don't know if it works. And this is my favorite scene. The toy maker's like, I don't know if it works. And so he's like, let's find out. So he shoots his henchman. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, bring him back to life. And he does. The henchman whose eye has been shot out. Oh and the henchman comes back to life and he's like, what the fuck? And uh, <laughs> and then it, it becomes this whole thing where it's like, oh, you can bring people back to life and then they can't be killed. They're immortal after this. And the henchman's like, fine, now I want to kill you, my boss. And so then it's like, oh my God, none of this makes any sense. Um, <laughs> and they crash the plane and the toy maker wakes up in a morgue, but wakes up and he kills the people in the morgue. And then the cop comes in and he's like, well, this is the thing. Maybe he was once a hero, but being a hero means knowing the responsibility of freedom. It's like this total bat shit. Like, <laughs> it makes any sense. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You either you either die a hero, you live long yes. to see yourself become the villain. He's basically like, maybe he was once a hero, but you see, if you if you don't know how to use your freedom, then you're not really free, and you're not a real hero. And then maybe you're going to be hunted, but maybe you can be a hero again someday. And I'm like, what, what the fuck is happening? What is going on? How did we on? get from Robert One this? Yeah, <laughs> now tame. I guess you have to watch it, Dan, to understand the complex. No, you're not going to trick me into that. It's not. <laughs> no, happening. It's, it's That's literally. I'm out. It's literally like every movie is like. So they're all about like 80 minutes long. Every movie is like 65 minutes of buildup and then 15 minutes of batshit insanity. <laughs> it's not worth it. Like, it's like, 
it's so boring until 15 minutes from the end and you're like what the fuck did i just get into like maybe <laughs> you could get all of these cut together into one coherent movie that was actually exciting oh <laughs> uh, but i'm i'm still thinking about the fact that like as we get to the part where we're talking about like resurrecting stalin and like people <laughs> coming back from the dead this is all this whole movie series is based on a kind of creepy doll that's in a museum in key west florida so <laughs> Just just to remind you where we started and where we are now, that is what they're the the people behind the Roberts series have created. I also I wanna, actually want to put you on the spot and see how you would rank the movies that have come out so far of the Robert movies. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. <laughs> well, I, I guess you have to go with the original first, just because like it's I don't know. But then like part five, like part five, it's like legitimately like. <laughs> Instead of like the other ones, including the first one, wait like literally three quarters of the way through before things get weird. At least in part five, it's like at least like halfway through because that's when like <laughs> Olga gets killed. It's like, what the fuck? Like Olga's dead now. I thought Olga, who had a terrible accent, by the way. I mean, I don't think any <laughs> of these people are legitimately German or Russian and they just have like these awful accents. Why would you say that? Yeah, well, it's like, it's, everybody's, they're, oh my god, I forgot about, oh god, I forgot about this part where this guy who's a Gestapo spy, he like, he like, has a fake wife, and he's like, oh, go do this for me, and he like, slams her into a wall, and he's choking her, and she's crying, and then he steps away, and he's like, go make me a sandwich, and I'm like, oh my fucking god, like, you just said, make <laughs> me real? a sandwich, like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> and like, in Nazi era Germany, you just said this. Like, was this a meme at the time? I don't think so. So, also, of course, everybody speaks English. Like, nobody speaks German. Right. Nobody speaks Russian at any point in any of these movies. Um, but so it's got to be number one, number five, number two, maybe. Um, then number four feels and like three. we're already deep in a black hole at this point. Number three is pretty bad. Number three, like number three, is so boring. It made me like. And it like tries to make Robert like maybe a good guy. Like he just kills Nazis. And I'm like, you know, we know from two other movies that he also kills like perfectly innocent teenagers. So I don't know. They're like, I'm not, I'm not pro Robert. I got to tell you. Um, No, no, (laughs) not going to do it. So I love when movies do try to later sympathize their, their villains though. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre did that by installments seven and eight. And I was like, well, you know what? He still wears people's faces. So. I don't care. At the end yep. of the day, <laughs> yep. They even tried to do that with uh, with Hannibal. They they tried to do that in the Saw series, sort of. Yeah. Uh, I I know we've talked about it. I'm sure on here, but Freddy Krueger at the end and that Freddy Krueger remake where they're like, oh, was Freddy just misunderstood? I'm like, well, he was a pedophile and and murderer. So no, I'm gonna <laughs> no, go out on a little. Not at all. Um, I have an an off brand one for you. It's in the show Gossip Girl in the pilot. <laughs> Chuck Bass, who's played by Ed Westwick essentially attempts to rape Taylor Momsen's character. And I feel like there's no coming back from that. No. Yeah. No. And yet he's like a a pretty, it might be the best character for the rest of the series after that. Yeah. It's like, I I don't know. I feel like once you've gone down the attempted rape alley, (laughs) there's no recovering from that. Yeah. There's no sympathy to be had at that point. They do try to make him a more sympathetic character later in the run and i'm like yeah but you still you've been a bad guy since day one like i'm i'm not getting on your side right they can always do like in back to the future and 
even you know have have Biff hang around your house fixing your car even after he tried to rape your wife. <laughs> All right. Well, have we actually lost steam on this? I, <laughs> we, we, just we, killed it. we may have exhausted. <laughs> All there is to say about Robert, I it's did. Want, y'all haven't seen all of the sequels. Yeah, that's true. If we want, yeah, if we want, we'll, we'll come back next week when we'll all have watched <laughs> like all a, five. There's a whole murder on the Orient Express thing that's we, happening. There's a part where like a woman like fights the Gestapo. Well, she doesn't fight, but the Gestapo is like, "Have you seen this man on the train?" She's like, "No, but where's my vodka?" And I'm like, "What? That's the Gestapo! You can't just like yell in their face. Like they're gonna murder you." You see, um, part of me assigning this movie was hoping secretly that Matt would end up going down the rabbit hole. And of course, the I was going to. You know who accomplish. I am fundamentally <laughs> at my core was that I was going to watch them all, and thus like, he would he would see all the movies, so the rest of us didn't have to. I I, I genuinely do back. not encourage it. I do not encourage watching this whole franchise. It's not uh, good. <laughs> Yeah, when I when I heard about 15 minutes before we started recording this that you were just wrapping up part five, I was like, all right, you know, I didn't I didn't know whether to expect this, but of course this is what happened. <laughs> the game is the game. Yep. Uh, but yeah, um, I did want to note that a Robert executive produced this film and a Bobby wrote the music. Um nice. The I can't music, believe somebody wrote the music. I the literally music can't is believe very that. bad, especially in the first one, like the piano theme that plays while like Robert is stalking. It sounds like somebody is trying to like do a really bad John Carpenter impression with like basic piano notes, except mm-hmm. it really just sounds like someone who doesn't know how to play the piano is just sort of plinking around on it. <laughs> it's, it's not fun. It's not cool. There's um at, at like one of the the later movies they just use the lacrimosa movement uh from Mozart like multiple times they just use it oh wow over and over um and there's well, that's also, actually good music that you almost make me want to watch it no it's not it's not used well I want to be clear it's clearly just because it's public domain and so um there they what a song uh Teddy I sent you a Snapchat of it but there's a song they use in the fifth one too or the fourth one too that's also very recognizable that is just like of course they use that that's like. <laughs> Um, but I can't remember what it's called, but, uh, it's not, it, it's not good. It, like, it just become like, I don't understand. It just sounds like the kind of music that you just like find on the internet one day and you're like, oh, well, anybody can use this. It's free, right? It's not copyrighted. <laughs> okay. We can, we'll put that in. It sounds like probably exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. So this is where I want to shout out the episode of the X-Files written by Stephen King. That was their Ooh. haunted doll episode where they managed to make the hokey pokey sound scary. Uh, <laughs> nice. I don't know. Give that one a watch. I just, I just keep wanting to shout out better haunted doll movies. That's it. Yeah. And like <laughs> creepy, like children's music is key to a, a good haunted doll movie. This movie yeah, did try yeah. it though. I will say that the end credits to a couple of the movies have a Robert themed song. That's the, um, it's like it's like the Freddy Krueger song. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what it, he's like, I I really like where they're like Robert wants to play and then he'll play some more. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> oh no! On an unrelated incident, Zoom Dick was trending oh, on Twitter no. today. So Zoom Dick, yes. Mm, oh, Zoom no. Dick is upsetting. He played too much. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well. I think I think that might be about it for Robert. Um, I don't I don't think I recommend this to anyone. 
I hope you hope you got something out of hearing about it, because um, we certainly uh, delved deep on this one. And uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll be back to talk about better movies next time. Um, It'll be good. We'll, yeah. And, so you uh, guys are going to be joining us soon for the 1977 i think it is japanese yeah. horror movie house so i haven't seen it yet but i am looking forward to watching it and discussing it i know it's supposed to be a little bit out there i'm excited for that yeah i've i haven't seen i saw it a while back so i don't fully remember it but i remember Many it being years. pretty crazy so this is going to be a fun one um yeah, so look out for us on there. It should be coming out uh, pretty soon around when it, when this one comes out. Um, as usual, you can find us on all the major platforms. We're on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, all that. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Movies at Gmail. What? Follow us on Twitter, at Movies, or you can send us an email, Movies at gmail.com. Um, and guys, why don't you plug your stuff, too? Sure. So we're on the platforms, Spotify and Apple and Google. You can also find us at thegoodsfilmpodcast.com or send us an email at pod at thegoodsfilmpodcast.com. And And our Twitter handle is twitter.com slash goodsfilm. And we're going to have Halloween content for at least another week or two. So tune in. And also, I recommend that you email Andrew Jones. Tell him you want Robert Six. <laughs> Please. Guys, maybe Robert Six will end up being the best one yet, like Saw Six was. I think Robert Six is going to be like, it's going to like bookend an, uh, an unconventional double trilogy where like the first two were part of one trilogy and then three through five are part of one trilogy and then six is part of the original trilogy from the first two. Ooh. Um, going to tie it all good. back together. Yeah, because I... I I just I have this feeling. So I think you need to get him on the podcast to explain all this. Listen, Ro- Andrew jo- Andrew Jones, if you're fucking listening, come on the goddamn pod. I have Please questions. I, I, I like know. Teddy's. I like Teddy's theory that we are going to get the topical healthcare Robert. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, healthcare Rob, it's coming. That's always what you need to do in a late installment. In number six. Robert's going to come and breathe in people's faces without a mask. Oh, no. No. I believe it because Robert was in a morgue last we saw him. So he's already in a quasi-medical environment. So we're, we're there. We're getting there. It's time for Buzz Rob movies. Buzz Rob movies. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be happening. All right, guys. Until next time, we won't see you at the movies. Don't believe their lies. And I'm sorry, Robert. <laughs> I'm sorry, Robert. I'm sorry, Robert. I'm sorry, Robert. I'm sorry, I'm sorry Robert. Robert. I'm sorry, Robert. I'm sorry, Robert. I'm sorry, Robert. Speak to me. <laughs> <laughs>